Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast, schedule, release, week, Buckle up. Let's do it. Uh, It's here. Rocking and rolling, baby. Uh, I'm sure we will have a big podcast on Friday reacting to the schedule release. Do have some thoughts about the changes for the Thursday Night Football that now you can play multiple times. Dan Snyder, Kyler Murray, we will dive into it all as well as a big mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Just fire into those DMs. It's just my name. At my name. And the DMs are wide open. And get your question answered here on the show. Ask me anything. We'll be rocking and rolling. We're live on AMP. Live on AMP. Download Amazon AMP. Find it on YouTube as well. And uh, any other housekeeping? I don't think so. Hopefully, yeah. Should be, should be it. But first, do you want to get outside this summer? Do you want to go do something? You should. Get outside your home this spring, this summer. Enjoy the sun. Enjoy a nice, cool night. And do it with my friends at game time. You can go to a concert. You can go to a baseball game. You can go to an NHL playoff game. That's inside. You can go to a comedy show. You can do whatever you want. And download the app, the official ticketing app of this show. Promo code John, $20 off. No big deal. Throwing you guys a bone. I don't even need to thank you. Just go take a brother, take a cousin, take your wife, take your mom or dad, and go do something fun. And do it with a little discount from me. So go to your app store, download the Game Time app. You can go to anything you want. Comedy shows, concerts, to games, and use the promo code John, that's my name, J-O-H-N, and get $20 off. (laughs) NFL schedule release. For a split second on Monday morning, Peter King had reported it was going to get pushed back. And then by about mid-afternoon, West Coast time, Adam Schefter had said, it's on, release, Thursday, 5 o'clock. Be there or be square. So clearly, Roger Goodell signed off on everything. The schedule is set. And by throughout the week, things will leak. But by Thursday at 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, or 8 o'clock for those of you on the East Coast, we will know all of our teams, where they're playing, when they're playing. Obviously, some of it can change a little bit later in the season. But schedule release is a really big deal, right? The NFL now has figured out a way to dominate the fall enormous ratings, keep rolling it into after the Super Bowl, combine, free agency, the draft, and then they've thrown this curveball, which is now a massive, massive night in the NFL. And one thing really jumped out to me, and I'll never forget when I when I first moved to the Bay Area, my first couple years, I uh, got an accountant in downtown San Francisco, which I had no business going to. I was by far the guy's poorest client. I had some friends I went to college with. They were crushing it at the time. I was just 
you know, a, a little old radio host. I, I wasn't even making a hundred grand. And this guy, I remember, was really cool. And he would tell me stories about all these guys. He had these W two employees working for Facebook and Google that were making like more money than NFL players. But he said the funny thing is, is is you know, he became friends with them, and they would talk a big game on Facebook and their Twitter accounts about the way they looked at life. And a lot of that was like, you know, raise taxes. And he said they would walk into my office. And they would want every tax loophole, you know, under the sun. They would want to save every penny, which anyone with a brain always does. But he's like, if you look at their Facebook account, that's not the way they're talking. And because a lot of people talk a big game, but they don't live it, right? It's why I don't take 99% of people just publicly, what they say doesn't mean that much to me. It never has. That's why I don't spend that much time getting up in arms about that many things. Because I, I think a lot of stuff is just complete bullshit. Just complete. <laughs> and so when I see the NFL forever talk a big game about safety, I don't think they actually care. They just don't want to get sued and lose a bunch of money, which happened to them over the last decade, right? Do they actually care what happens to these players? I mean, clearly they don't want to lose their star players. But if you go to enough practices, these random guys, they're very replaceable. I mean, that's just a fact. No one wants anyone to get injured, but when you play football, guys are going to get injured. But they are over the top about their discussion of player safety, player safety, player safety. And then it has been reported by Schefter that no longer teams for the last, when I first got in the NFL, Thursday night football was, there weren't even a full slate of, of games, right? I think there was like five or six. I remember when I was with the Eagles, we played all three years. But by like the third year, I think the majority of teams were played Thursday night football. And then by the middle of the decade, it was a full slate, right? And so these last several years, whether you're Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or the worst team in the league, you were guaranteed to play on Thursday night football, but only once. And now that rule is teams can play multiple times. Well, clearly Amazon wasn't happy, which kind of a little bit of a head scratcher to me because... One of the things was last year that they had sold their advertising at 11 million people and between like nine and nine and a half million people watched it. Like I understand TNT not being happy with the NBA. They lost half their viewers over the last six, seven years. So if I think, and I've sold for two or 3 million people to watch a game and then only 700,000 people are watching the game, we have a serious problem. But when you're getting the NFL, and I'm driving nine to nine and a half million people to you, and you thought 11 were going to be there, I don't think it's that big a deal. But clearly the NFL does. And I don't necessarily think that Amazon is that caught up in the short term or either the NFL. But big picture, it is inevitable that all this stuff in the next 10 to 20 years is going to be on these streaming platforms, right? The NFL has already pivoted. Who has the NFL package now? Or the NFL you know, Sunday ticket? YouTube TV, right? Who has Thursday Night Football? Amazon. So they, they're they going above and beyond making these people happy. Well, previously it was like, get the NFL. We're going to bend you over. We're going to get the most money and it's on you to figure it out. It's kind of what the NBA has done, right? I saw Adam Silver thinks they're going to 3X their next media deal. It's like, bro, your ratings have been in the tank for like eight, nine years. People think I'm an NBA hater. I grew up when the NBA was thriving under Michael Jordan. I've watched the Warriors pull record ratings, but none of the other teams do. The NFL doesn't have that problem. They can put a random game on Thursday night football and 9 million people watch. No other league 
or any other industry on television, including politics, non like a presidential debate, can sniff that fucking number. But clearly the NFL is going above and beyond and like player safety, complete bullshit if you're making multiple teams play multiple Thursday night games. Like to me, that's kind of crazy. But they're doing that. And that is no longer a rule. And expect that come Thursday. I would say if you're a good team, right? All the top, let's just say the top 10 teams in the NFL and definitely the top needle movers in the NFL. The Chiefs, uh, the Eagles, the Cowboys, now that the Giants are good. The Packers with Rodgers for sure. Hell, the New York Jets, right? I mean, the, these power brands, the Steelers, when you put them on television and the needle moves, the 49ers, these teams, there's a decent chance they're getting multiple Thursday night games, which seems insane to me. It, it really does. And I thought, I think during the NFL owners meetings, David Tepper like raised his hand. He's like, I don't have it verbatim. Someone had reported this. Like, I know I'm new here, but... Why are we that consumed with Amazon? Like, ultimately, it's going to be pretty good for everyone involved. We can't freak out over one year. But this is always the issue with football people, you know, coaches, GMs, and the people that run the league. People that run the league, the owners, the league office, only care about cash. I mean, that is first and foremost. Everything else is secondary. Where obviously the GMs and the coaches, all they're consumed with is winning. Well, they don't go hand in hand. Because if all I'm consumed about is how can I make Amazon happy and hey, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Dak Prescott and Kyle Shanahan and, you know, and Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, you guys got to play multiple Thursday night games, multiple short rest weeks. Even if we somehow can manipulate it a little bit, you get an early start on Sunday, we'll give you a home game. It seems crazy to me, but that's where we're headed because the people consumed with money, they control everything. The teams, the players, the coaches, the GMs, they just don't. Now, they profit. They're making historic amount of money. Being involved in the league as a player, as a coach, as an executive, not like a scout, but like as a GM, has never been financially better. But it's also never been more difficult, right? These OTAs, I've been going to these practices forever. They're getting less and less like, what what am I even watching? And obviously, training camp is just clearly a different animal than it has been in the past. And I'm not talking like junction boys, no water. I'm just talking about running real praxis where you, I don't know, tackle to the ground. You don't even do any of that anymore because the NFL, player safety, player safety, player safety. But really, you know why they did that? You know why you get mandatory every four days in training camp a day off? Because that's what the players argued over. You know what the owners in the league office cared about? The money. We'll give you that because we're going to take more money. We'll give you that because we're going to have more juice when we do something like You know what, Patrick Mahomes, for the next five years, you're going to play multiple Thursday night games. And I don't know if that's going to come to fruition, but it's clearly on the table. It's been talked about enough, said enough, that these Thursday night games being a little under 11 million. Like, I would totally understand if if Amazon paid all this money in the league and, and they thought they were getting 11 million people and 6 million people were watching these games. Like, we we have a large discrepancy. But I'm sorry, that discrepancy, especially in year one, Doesn't seem that crazy to me. And anyone listening to this for a while knows where I stand on the whole streaming platform. Like, if you don't have Amazon Prime, like, I'm sorry, I can't really relate to you. I understand if you don't have YouTube TV or Hulu TV, you will soon. Maybe not in a year, maybe not in five, but in the next 10 or the next 15, you will. And that's where the league's going to be. So they're clearly pivoting with their mindset and, and they just want these guys to be as happy as possible. But I'd also say, like, who is not going to overbid on the NFL? Like I, I get back to the NBA because 
I, I saw that they want to 3X with their last deal. And I get live rights is very powerful, but your audience is diminished from your last deal. Why are you guaranteed an increase in your revenue? Even if it just stays status quo, which was still a lot of money. You, you see what these teams and the league is paying out. Like I understood why the NFL got a huge bump in their last media rights deal. Their ratings keep going up, right? <laughs> That's just, just basic math. Now, I, I, I just it seems crazy to me, but we're clearly here. Uh, the other thing that is pretty interesting is the New York Jets and the Green Bay Packers, forever the Green Bay Packers, with Rodgers and Favre, are one of the biggest brands in football. They're not quite, I wouldn't say the Cowboys, but like you put them on national TV, Sunday night, Monday night, you rate, you know? And I do wonder if it's going to come back to earth a little bit this year. So like one of my expectations would be the Packers are getting some primetime games, but I bet it's early in the season. Like to me, I would go like Packers Bears week one Monday night football, but I don't feel as confident doing it later in the season as I would have the last 30 plus years. And on the flip side, I forget where I heard this, but I guess it makes sense that the New York Jets have not played on Sunday night football in a decade. That's about to change. That's about to seriously change. I would expect them, whether it turns out to be the right move, I would expect the New York Jets to get four to five non-Thursday night games. <laughs> you know, several Sundays, multiple Mondays. Because part of that division, it's pretty easy to do matchups that work on primetime, right? You can honestly cross-pollinate the four teams, and it works. Miami, New England, now the Jets again, and obviously the Bills. One thing that Peter King alluded to is like two teams, for example, the Packers and the Patriots are good examples that are big brands but might not be playoff teams that also could get pigeonholed into those multiple Thursday night windows, which... I keep getting back to think is insane. Like I, I just don't understand why Amazon has all the juice right now. Like the, to me, the NFL in this relationship, it's relatively new. Like doesn't need to bend over hand and fist just to do everything humanly possible to make them feel their best. Like I'd say it's going pretty well. Maybe I'm out of the loop on that one. Two teams. I'm going to be very, let's go the two conferences. Two teams on both conferences, I'm very interested to see how their schedule plays out. Starting with the NFC, everyone's going to pick this team. They're kind of the darling. I, I think they're pretty good on paper. I've got some people DM me like, I'm a Vikings fan. I'm a Packer fan. You're crazy. I, I, I think the Lions, I, I'm going to pick them. Uh, you know, I picked the Packers last year and the Vikings won it. So I'm not claiming to be Nostradamus here. But who? what the Lions schedule look like is going to be interesting. Is it start fast? Is it start easy? You know, because there's going to be a lot of pressure on this team. And last year, remember, they started really, really slow. I think they finished their season eight and two, you know, to become a respectable nine and eight. But it's it's going to be a different animal where I don't think you're viewed as like the obviously some top five team in the league, but people are going to take you seriously. And the Giants are another team that, you know, in theory should be right back in the NFC. But let's face it. Like, even Giants fans would have to admit, like, it's very impressive what Dayball did because our roster wasn't that good. Well, your roster isn't that much better a year later. Are they just some lock to be a double-digit win team? Or do they have a season where they're probably still a year away, so maybe you miss the playoffs this year to come back next year to be like an 11-win team? I, I think it's going to be – we obviously know their division. Their division is really good, probably the best in football. 
that or the AFC North, right? When you factor in the Eagles are a juggernaut, the Cowboys are damn good. And if Washington's the worst team in your division, you got a really good division. Um, and then on the flip side, I think two teams that are just going to be under an enormous amount of pressure are two teams that have super highly paid quarterbacks. And that first starting in Denver, part of that is the new coach. And it's not, if Russell Wilson can't play anymore, that's not Sean Payton's fault. He didn't create this mess. He didn't make the trade. But I think a lot of people, myself included, are going to be like, well, it's, even if Russell's a little over the hill, it's going to be impossible for him to be as shitty as he was last year because now he has an $18 million coach. He's got a guy that knows what he's doing. And I think the Cleveland Browns, man, you give a guy $230 million, we give you a pass. You get suspended. You've had all these massage therapists after you because self-inflicted. I mean, it's, it wasn't randomly after you. But that is behind everybody now. Well, not behind them, but behind the Browns, behind Watson. Like, they're all looking forward. The contract now kicks in. Are you just, are you going to be the real deal? Are you going to be a playoff team? Because that division's pretty hard, right? Obviously, Lamar now is locked up. The Ravens are good. The Bengals are juggernaut right now, right? They, they are, you could argue, the second best team in the league behind the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, and the Steelers, are going to be a very, very sexy team for people to pick. I bet some people are going to pick them to win the division. Definitely a lot of people, myself included, probably going to pick them to be a wild card team. So the amount of pressure when you're paying these quarterbacks this much money, Denver has this new high-priced coach, Cleveland, really good roster. Like I'm fascinated to watch the way their their two schedules you know, kind of break down. So it's going to be interesting with these Thursday night teams. Any fan of, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cool night. And it's become... Kind of a league cash cow night to just own. I'm sure there's NBA playoffs. The biggest story of that night will be the NFL schedule release. Before we dive into what's next, do you know that Angie's list is now Angie, your home for everything home? And as someone who is currently house shopping and who has bought property before, you walk in, you go, Well, I need to fix the kitchen. I need to want to improve this bathroom. I want to fix some stuff in the backyard. And then you go, Well, I don't do this for a living. Where do I even start? Who do I even contact? That's where Angie has 20 years of experience combined with new tools to simplify the process. Over 220,000 pros in their network. They can help you get the best price for your product. They have new projects that are priced upfront and clearly lays out the cost before you buy. With Angie, you can request quotes from multiple pros in your area. The pros in your network are locally based. In just a few taps in the Angie app or click on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project from start to finish. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I'm Hannah Storm and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A situation that I just kind of found funny was uh, the Washington Commanders. Uh, Peter King also wrote that, that, you know, this sale is been a little rocky. <laughs> it's going to be a pretty ugly divorce. It's not just your seamless like, hey, you want this car? 20 grand. Here's the 20 grand. Take my car. Like this is not going and it never was going to be with Dan Snyder. Some seamless transaction. It was always going to be weird. It was always going to be ugly. And I'll be shocked that there aren't some snags along the way before we get to the final destination. But the story came out. The first I saw of it, I guess we had talked about it last year. That the commanders, before that they traded for Carson Wentz, they called every single team in the league about their quarterback, including Mahomes. So they were going quarterback shopping, and they were willing to do whatever it took to get a top quarterback. Most teams with good quarterbacks obviously hung up and ended up with Carson Wentz. But one of the stories that came out about that, I, I just saw this because Ursay tweeted about it, that they contacted Andrew Luck. And honestly, the first time I heard about it, I just kind of laughed. Like, when you called Andrew Luck, a guy that retired because he was often banged up and the injuries he just couldn't take anymore. He hated rehab, don't blame him, and was just like, I'm done. Well, these people, Ron and Martin Mayhew, work in the NFL, right? So they know the rules. It's not like he's just out there like some free agent like Tom Brady. To call, hey, would you be interested? So it's not just, would you be interested? It's like, hey, man, we would have to trade the Colts for you. And would you want to come play for us in Washington? I, I, I kind of laughed because, not because it was tampering. Like, that's just, I, I, I don't believe that Washington should have to give up some pick over that. But it's also kind of just, how dumb are you, right? Like, what, you think Andrew Luck, if he was going to come back, wouldn't he just go back to the Colts? Why would he want to come to, of all teams, your squad that has been, let's face it, pretty shitty for a long period of time? And then Ursay's tweeting that it's tampering and I've read a couple people that are like, I think the Colts are going to try to pursue this. Uh, maybe, you know, Dan Snyder forced them to do it as kind of an FU to the league. Didn't really care if he got in trouble. I don't know. But this, we can't rid ourselves of this guy quickly enough because this is a franchise that, you know, if they were good, it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, they showed some signs of life the last couple of years and it's been it's been enjoyable. But to me, as long as is he's around is kind of this dark cloud and this notion that it's some lock to just be done. It, I, I bet if you ask most people to follow the NFL, it's like, oh, Dan Snyder's already gone. I'm like, are we sure? I'm like, are we totally sure Dan Snyder's gone by this fall? I mean, I think so, but uh, we all know Dan Snyder's kind. Most of us know that guy with a lot less money. One thing they are is, is they're petty. They're vindictive. They, they don't just go without a fight. So whether you're worth $100 or, you know, $10 billion, that mindset and that wiring does not change. And we know this guy, man, is going to make it very, very ugly uh, before it's all over. One story that came out from a podcast, the Action Network, uh, is where Sobel live, or works that comes on the golf podcast, my guy Stucky, gambling, and they got guys that, you know, are locked into the gambling circle. And there, I guess one of their guys said on a podcast that the Atlanta Falcons, and this would make sense, that Arthur Smith 
went sniffing around to see if they could get Ryan Tannehill this offseason. And whatever reason around the draft, the deal didn't go through. Uh, now, in fairness, like the Titans, you weren't going to move on from Tannehill before you knew you got a quarterback, and then you get Levis in the second round. You might as well just write out Tannehill until you see Levis can play. You know, what, what are you really going to get for Tannehill that makes sense giving him up? The other guy that they sniffed around was Kyler Murray. Now, the hard part about Kyler Murray is twofold. One, he is under a gigantic contract, and the other, he currently has a torn ACL. So whatever you were going to trade the guy, if you are willing to, and of course they have a new general manager and new coach, you would examine every option and every potential ability to improve your team. You would get, at best, 50 cents on the dollar for Kyler Murray. And whatever you want to say about Kyler Murray, I'm not the biggest fan. When a year ago, even after that devastating loss to the Rams, coming into the season, if Kyler Murray did not have that gigantic contract, you easily could have got like a one and a two, a couple ones. Shit, the commanders, a lot of teams would have traded for him. So he's hindered by multiple things now. I also think that it would behoove the Arizona Cardinals to not sit, and, and clearly they're not, he's not really tradable now, but I think they could potentially benefit from it because if he comes back next year and he's healthy and he just looks capable again, because there were moments this year before he tore his ACL, he does look capable. And if you're a coach, and most of these coaches have inflated egos and believe they can save people, his talent is not really debatable. He is one of the fastest players in the league. He's got an enormous arm. When he's rolling, he can look like a top six, seven quarterback in the league. So what if he comes back this year in the second half of the season? He just looks solid. Then to me in the offseason, because the Cardinals have two things going for him. One, they're going to suck meaning they're going to draft very high. They also have the Texans pick, who might not draft one or two again, but more than likely they're closer to 10 than they are 20. So you're going to have two picks really high. It's viewed as a really good quarterback draft. Hell, next year in general, I was reading something. The top five players going into next season in college would be the top five players that were just drafted in this draft. They are better than every single player in this draft. The only two players, honestly, that went in the top 10 that would be considered with Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers, uh, Drake May, I don't know how to say his name, but the offensive tackle for Penn State, which would have easily been a top three or four pick in this draft, that would be in their category would be Jalen Carter, who we all acknowledge was the best player in this draft, but had major character concerns, and then B. John Robinson, who's a running back, so he just can't go that high. And he still went eight. So this draft coming in is absolutely loaded. So if Kyler Murray comes back, he plays just decent. You don't even need to win the games, but he just looks healthy. You get some momentum going. You go, okay, this is a capable guy. You can either do two things. You can build around him because you might be stuck. It might be hard to trade that contract. Or if he just looks good enough, there are always teams where it's like, you know, especially if you go, hey, he's, he's bought in, he's being a good guy, you just talk up his character, he's studying, and he's going to have time to really talk up, like, how's he acting when he's rehabbing? Is he studying? Is he around the OTAs? Is he going to all the meetings? Because if he's doing that, I actually think you could rebuild his value again. He's never going to be viewed, at least in the next 12 months, as some star player again. I'm not saying he can't get back to that. I would bet against it. But, yeah, I don't... When you're that talented, like ultimately there are some guys, Baker Mayfield, 
Uh, e- even Trey Lance has some fundamental flaws the way he throws the football. They just don't, he's not even nearly as fast as Kyler. Like they don't have the capability of being that good. So I would bet against it, but the capability is there. A lot of guys like Zach Wilson does not, Zach Wilson can't complete a out route. He, I mean, he, he skips wheel routes to running backs. I mean, there's just fundamental layups in the passing game he can't complete against NFL players. Like, it, we all watched it last year. It was crazy to watch because he was a guy that Chris Sims a couple years ago was like, this guy could be Aaron Rodgers. And when you just watch him fling it on air or whatever, you're like, that is an elite arm, great release, powerful, like he's got it all. And then he actually has to play. And then you're like, what the hell is this? And by middle of last season, they're like, Mike White, Mike White. And I don't even blame him because he watched Zach Wilson. You can't even function with the guy. So I, I, I do expect, let me rephrase that. I do think it's going to work out for Arizona in the sense of trading him right now for absolutely nothing doesn't make that much sense. Because once you sign a contract of that magnitude, as we've seen with Aaron Rodgers, it impacts your cap in the short term. And there's a chance that maybe that's the best you can do. And he comes back, he's healthy, use those two picks. You draft Marvin Harrison, you draft the offensive tackle from Penn State, and you surround him with some more talent and you take your chances for the next couple of years. Now, I never would have signed him to the contract in the first place, but either way, you you know, because there there is 50-50 seems high, but I would say there's a 25-30% chance this team drafts number one overall. Most people like universally agree that this is the worst roster right now in the NFL. Like, this is not like debating, like this is the worst roster in the NFL. A lot of people thought that last year with the Giants. The difference is we all knew Brian Dayball what this guy's done in Buffalo was incredible. I think most of us go, you know, Jonathan Gannon, I've had people tell me that we're around Jonathan Gannon. You know, I actually think he's better suited to be a head coach than he is a coordinator. He's a much better leader than he is like some schemer. So it's like, <laughs> whenever you hear that, you go, well, we'll see, <laughs> you know, we'll see. It's a little cheesy for me, but listen, I thought Sean McVay, I remember when he was hired, I was like, no one my age is going to come into the league and just kick ass and take names at 31 years old. He did, you know, and, and he, he was been awesome. Uh, I bet against that one. So I've been wrong before, but I would say Jonathan Gannon, I would, I would short that stock. And a large part of that is just the talent around him, the organization, a lot of turmoil. So getting sued by former employees, people coming after his owner. Uh, could just be a weird place. Quarterbacks injured, but we'll see how that all shakes out. <laughs> Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. D. I recently saw Kevin Durant got a lifetime Nike deal and couldn't figure out how that would be structured. How do you think lifetime endorsement deals work? Love the pod. Keep up the good work. That's a hell of a question, man. I don't know. I I, I know... Obviously, you know, Michael Jordan owns the Jordan brand or has equity in it. But like I saw Charles Barkley, it was like a it was a YouTube short, and I, I it was a clip from an interview he gave talking about how Michael Jordan has made him so much money in his life because like in the peak of Charles's powers, right, in the mid nineties as a player, Nike was paying he was one like second highest paid athlete, like a couple million bucks. And Michael said, do you you need, you're getting paid a lot from the Phoenix Suns. You don't need all that cash from Nike every year. Do this. Say if they're paying you $3 million, take $1 million and have them give the other $2 million in stock options. And Charles like, smartest thing I ever did. And I'm still on Nike's payroll. 
So, like, LeBron has a lifetime deal. Steph has a lifetime deal with Under Armour. You know, Tiger has a lifetime deal with Nike. I, I just think you're just on the payroll for a long time. Now, in the peak of your playing powers, right, like Kevin right now or LeBron when he's playing, clearly they don't pay you the same amount when you're done, right? But I, I, I don't, that's the question I don't have the answer to. You just, in life, you just get what you negotiate. So maybe $5 million a year, factor in inflation. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't. Some stocks. It's a hell of a question. Very, very interesting. Never really thought about it, to be honest with you. I think it's funny how your new picture of you with a backwards hat on and Colin always talks about how he doesn't want his franchise with the hat backwards guy. Made me laugh. Here's the one thing I will say is us bald people, we play by different rules. So I would say historically, my father, who passed away several years ago, old school guy, hated the hat backwards look as well. I actually don't think it applies when you don't have hair. You know, my dad, who was also bald, when I was younger, could have, you know, in that 80s, 90s, you could have the cul-de-sac look. You could not have a cul-de-sac now and have any human being take you seriously if you're under 45 years old. I'm sorry, you just can't. So we shave our heads. Well, in the picture that's used now on my profile, it was at a 49er game. So it's not like I even gave that to the volume. They ripped it off. I, I Probably like an Instagram photo. But I hadn't shaved my head for a couple days, and I, I, I'm pretty sure... I had forgotten a razor, and we were leaving early in the morning, had been up late, and I, I didn't have time to shave my head. Super hungover. I was taking like a two-minute shower. When I shave my head, my shower lasts 10 minutes because you got to – I shave it in the shower. So I, I wasn't going to rock a cul-de-sac to the 49er Rams game, which will go down as one of the coolest games I've ever seen live. It was a crazy Week 18 game a couple years ago. But, like, I, I just don't think we, we play by the same rules as people with hair. Like, I, I'm sorry. We don't. I, I don't disagree with a sentiment about hat backwards guy, but I I think I play by different rules. Not having hair. But it is funny, I know. <laughs> I know the game has swung on offense with the rules, especially favoring the quarterbacks. The game has evolved a ton recently. Where do you think it goes for the next five years? For example, does defense ever make a return? Does the coaching staff become more important? Or does another position become as important as the quarterback? Well, as we talked about earlier, the rules are clearly not changing. And safety rules are not going to lean defense. So I don't see how defense could really make a comeback when hitting has kind of just slowly been legislated out of the game in terms of the violent hits. Because that's really when, when you had the best, fastest, most violent players on defense – you, you couldn't play against you know the great defenses because they would destroy you. Well, that's never going to factor in anymore, right? Those Even that Seattle team of whatever, six, eight, nine years ago now, it's, it's not coming back. I, I just think we're kind of going to be in this, this version of football for a while, right? Like, I, I don't think the game of basketball is ever going to trend back to every team's going to have a great center. No, three, the three-point shoot, uh, shot is too valuable. It's worth 150% more than the two. So you're going to continue to take more threes, stretch out the, you know, the game, and get more three-point shooters. Well, I don't think it's going to change in football. I was thinking about this the other day. Like Troy Aikman. When Troy Aikman transferred from Oklahoma to UCLA when he was in college, 
it was because Oklahoma was going to start running the triple option offense. And obviously, Troy Aikman is not a triple option offensive quarterback or quarterback, right? Think how often, you know, in the 70s, 80s, hell, even into the 90s, coordinators would run a run heavy option level in college and definitely in high school. Well, we talked about this last week. It just bleeds uphill. Most industries kind of bleed downhill, right? In in football, what happens at the lower levels comes up because that's where your talent's coming from. You could argue it's like that in society, right? I remember like my dad's generation. They don't all email. And a lot of them had a lot of success without really using the computer. But you can't be, you could be 75 years old and not really email and run a company and have people do it for you. You can't be 50 and not know how to operate the internet. You probably can't be 25 years old and not be very, very versed on the computer. And I'm not talking about just typing. I'm talking like, do you know, do you know uh, AI? Can you, can you mess with chat D- GPT? <laughs> can you, uh, whatever your specific industry is, you better be locked and loaded technologically, right? Just like in football. If you're coming up to the, to the NFL, you got to be, the passing game is whether you're a coach or whether you're a player is going to be key. And I just don't see that changing anytime soon. Look how it's changed the running back. We value running backs infinitely more than we did a decade ago that play in the passing game. Hell, when I got to the NFL in 2010, if you couldn't play in the passing game, whatever, we had a change of pace back. Is there a good running back in the league that's not a major factor in the pass game? Why was B. John Robinson thought so highly of? He was good in the pass game. Why was Gibbs, the kid from Alabama, that Detroit Lions, you see that, that uh, video they tweeted out? of them going berserk when they drafted him. I mean, they, they think the guy's like Marshall Falk because that's the, some of the comps I've heard are like, you know, he's got a little Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara into him. If he didn't have that and was just, you know, Adrian Peterson is the best between the tackle runner I've seen live in my life in the peak of his powers. He was incredible. Not great in the passing game. Won't pass block. He could get by, he's like, he'd even be an outlier today. But I, I don't think he'd be as valuable as he was 15 years ago. Because playing in the passing game is a must. So I guess that's a long way of saying, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would bet against there being dramatic changes of just kind of where we are and where we're headed is kind of, you know, what's going to continue. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? 
Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. As a Packer fan, I'm happy the Rodgers era is over. And I'm hopeful for the love era. I think the Packers will look a lot more like the 49ers. Run the ball play defense instead of air it out because we have Aaron Rodgers because we no longer have Aaron Rodgers. Also, I think this bodes well for us in the playoffs because running the ball and playing defense wins in Lambeau when it's zero degrees and snowy. Hence, our playoff failures. I've always said that. The Packers were always built to dominate in a dome. Right? Like, what has been a huge point of difference last year for the Chiefs? They had Pacheco. Their defense has been a lot better the last three or four years. It's hard to win outside by just throwing bombs. It really is. You've got to play defense, and it's just key. Anyway, I have the argument with my friends, and I'm hoping you can back me up. In my mind, Rodgers is the most talented quarterback ever. He was doing Mahomes-level stuff that ESPN drools over with Mahomes was in middle school. Now everyone says, what about Brady, Montana, and Mahomes? There is a difference in the most talented and most accomplished and it pisses me off. Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT of quarterback play. Tom Brady is and will always be the most accomplished. I think it's a tough discussion to have, right? Because, for example, Aaron Rodgers is never going to sniff Tom Brady's accomplishments. He's only been to the one Super Bowl. Tom's been to, whatever, 10, right? Because he lost, how many lose with the Patriots? He lost three with the Patriots, And he won the one with Tampa. Yeah, so he's been to 10 Super Bowls. There's just no... But Tom Brady... Tom Brady one time, I heard him... I don't know if it was that Monday night call-in he does or it was a podcast, radio interview. I I can't exactly remember where I heard him say this, but it it was fascinating because he's like, the unique part about the sport of football, he's like, I couldn't start at any other position for a good high school team. Right? Like, I, I couldn't play DB or linebacker. I'm not fast enough. I couldn't play wide receiver or tight end for them. Obviously, I'm not big enough to play offensive line. Like, the only thing I can do at the high school level, let alone the pro level, is play quarterback. Now, one thing I would say, Tom, this is hard because Aaron's talent, just his physical gifts, he's a much better athlete. He can just, he's got a better arm than Tom, even though Tom has a really good arm. He's a more quote unquote talented player. But it's like playing your best football in the biggest moments when your team needs it the most. Is that a talent? Right? I I think it kind of is. I do. Right? Like, obviously, Tiger Woods is more physically gifted than most people he played throughout his prime. But, like, he made every big putt when he had to. Is that a talent? Right? Like, he could just contain himself and be super focused and keep his emotions under control. And as a quarterback, you kind of have to do that too. And sometimes, Aaron's had some incredible moments. But I'd say he's also blown it in some big spots, right? And I'm not talking, it's one thing to blow it in the Super Bowl. It's another thing to blow it in the first round of the playoffs. That'd be the knock on Peyton. A lot of times, it's like, God, he just kind of blew it. And that, to me, separates Tom. But yeah, if we were just like running around cones, 
and throwing on the run, Tom can't hold his jock. And like you said, Mahomes, Mahomes, like him and Mahomes are very, very similar players. But for example, is if you gave Aaron Rodgers in his prime to the Kansas City Chiefs the last eight, nine years with Andy Reid, do they win a couple Super Bowls? Maybe. Because that's the other thing with football that makes it more unique than these other sports. If I give you Steph Curry, if I give you LeBron James, if I give you Shaq or Michael Jordan, yeah, if you get Phil Jackson or you know Eric Spolster or Steve Kerr, you're locked to win. But I think I can kind of give you an average coach and you got a pretty good chance to win a championship. If I give you Aaron Rodgers, you are not guaranteed to win a Super Bowl. I, Dan Marino is widely considered by everyone that played him and everyone that was much older than me that watched his career as like one of the best players that has ever played the game. It's like not arguable or debatable. Everyone in his, era, in his era, which has some all-time great players and obviously some of the greatest quarterbacks ever, including this younger generation, like if you ask like Brady, Peyton, and Tom, they hold Marino to such high esteem. Got to one Super Bowl and lost. Now, part of that is like the team around him. He did have Don Shula, but it was kind of an older version of Don Shula. I guess he got there in 84, but not, not Don, but Dan. Coach matters a lot. You know, Belichick kind of knows what he's doing. Mahomes benefits from having, you know, the big guy with the mustache. That, that, that matters, right? Joe Montana really benefited from having Bill Walsh. Lawrence Taylor, all-time great player. Helped when he had Belichick and Parcells coaching his ass. So it's complicated. I mean, his two coaches are Mike McCarthy and LaFleur. Who, McCarthy's a solid coach. I mean, he's gone to Dallas and they've been really good. LaFleur, I think, is pretty solid too. Any one of those guys going to be viewed as like a top three or four coach in the league? I, I don't know. So it's, it's a tough debate. I, I probably gave you the runaround there. He's definitely one of the most talented – I don't know if he's the most talented quarterback ever. I want you to YouTube like 1986 John Elway. That's <laughs> – I put that talent. He's bigger than Rodgers, every bit the arm, and every bit the athlete. And Elway was going to Super Bowls. He was losing them, but he was going. So I, I put Elway up there. I put El- I, I might say Elway's the most talented quarterback ever. I, you know, you could Josh Allen is pretty big physical freak. Like, is Josh Allen more physically talented than Mahomes? It's what makes this whole argument kind of hard. I, if you want to just say he's one of the most talented guys of all time, top, I'd give him top three. Question about the new avatar: Colin made any comments about the backward hat? Keep up the great content. People are fascinated with the backward hat. I got a DM, and I think I'll talk about this on the golf podcast tomorrow. Like, Colin said he would never hire anybody that's addicted to golf. You clearly spend a lot of time with golf. Here's what I would say. I have monetized my hobbies. And obviously, Colin, in this operation, benefits from that. That's why I started a golf podcast. That's why we're selling hats. I didn't get into the golf business just because I love golf, which I do. But I also know it's a very financially viable market. (laughs) The the household income of people that consume golf is dramatically higher than every sport. I didn't just do it randomly. Now, I'm lucky. I do like it. You could call me a golf addict. But it's not just a pastime. You know, the two things I spend the most time doing, thinking, and, you know, I, I would say watching would be football and golf. Turn them into a business. I'm not smart enough to do random other things. So what I do, I have to find a way to make money off of. Or else I can't survive. You know, you couldn't put me at Wells Fargo and they'd say, figure it out. I'd be like, I don't even know where to start. 
you know, own a restaurant. I'd be like, ah, shit. I just like like chicken and rice, cheeseburgers. I don't, I don't know how do we make money. I, I I know how to operate around football and golf. So it's my life advice to everybody: turn passions into and hobbies into your job. Find a way. I've been lucky enough too. But my backwards hat, and I'll say it over again: bald people, we play by different rules. I'm sorry. If you got a head of hair, like you know, put a little gel in it. You look fine. If I haven't shaved my head in a couple days and I don't have time for a long shower, I'm throwing on a hat. And sometimes the snapbacks, they look pretty good backwards. The situation of Jokic and the Suns owner, Match Ishbia, is similar to the situation with what happened to Kyle Lowry and the Golden State Warriors minority owner in 2019. The Golden State Warriors owner lost his shares of the team and was suspended from going to games. Shouldn't Matt Ishbia get some sort of suspension or penalty? Thoughts? I'd have to YouTube the incident with Lowry. I remember the the guy with the Warriors, it being a little bit more aggressive, if memory serves me correct. Now, I do believe that like Ishbia should be fined. I'm sorry, you don't get to touch the player. And I love, and I repeat, I love how Denver's coach Michael Malone and Jokic keep referring to him as some fan. Obviously, he's a very rich fan. I heard him on with Bill Simmons. I thought he was a very interesting guy. And someone told me, because I, I just assumed self-made guy, mortgage guy. No, he actually replaced his father. Not saying that he's not an impressive guy, but like, you know, he inherited his money. <laughs> you know, It's not like he just created the company. It is his, when your dad, when you replaced your dad as the CEO, I do view you a little differently. Like Mark Cuban, when he bought in the league, all of his cash. Steve Ballmer, like these guys are self-made. I don't know. I, and I Listen, there are a lot of NFL owners that aren't self-made too, but Ishbia kind of looks like a rich kid in that moment. Like, bro, give up the fucking ball. It's just, I thought it was kind of a clown. If you would have told me, I mean, the guy is one of the, how good, if you're watching that Denver Sun series, Nikola Jokic, I've never seen anything like him. Listen, a lot of friends that are Philly fans, I don't even think it's close. If I ran an NBA team and I got to pick between the Embiid and the dude from Denver, I, I wouldn't even hesitate. If I, if I had a general man, I wouldn't even have a meeting. To me, Jokic is a different tier than Embiid. One, he always plays. And two, he's just better. Oh, he's great on defense. He's always hurt. So is he that great on defense? No one cares about the regular season either. Like, I watched this guy in the playoffs scoring 50 points pretty easily. My NBA rant. People always think I'm like, Middlecoff, you hate the NBA. Yeah, I mean, no, I just hate when you don't play in games. I just like, as a consumer, when I turn it on, like, I know my players to play in games, right? <laughs> I, I actually looked up because I saw Gary Payton. His kid plays for the Warriors. Gary Payton the second, And he was at one of the Warriors games earlier this series. I, he might, he's probably going to them all. But he was at Chase Center. And he like talked to LeBron walking off. And I just Googled Gary Payton's stats. I was like, how many points did he average throughout his career? From like 1990 to basically the late 90s, Gary Payton never missed a game. And I would say Gary Payton was consistently viewed as a top 10 player in the NBA. And he had some years where he was probably top 6 or 7 player in the NBA. Okay, never missed a game. That's the generation of guy I grew up on. So yeah, my expectation is like, well, you know, the guys need rest and... You know, this is for the health. and Okay, that's great. 
But if you're only playing 60 games and you got 82 of them, I, I can't take your sport that seriously. And neither can the rest of the consumers. Why the ratings are in the tank? Why the Kings and Warriors rating, you know, average 11 million people? Because you turn on, everyone's playing and people try hard. You know, the NBA, the regular season for six months, half the teams never even try. Half the, half the league's tanking. The, the good teams, they try a quarter of the games. I'm not even trying to be nostalgic about my youth, but when I see Gary Payton played every fucking game, and I grew up, you know, going to Arco Arena when the Kings were terrible, and I remember Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, those players played against a Kings team that was god-awful. In 2023, they would not play, they would rest. And they would basically be telling you, hey, if you live in Sacramento, we don't give a shit about you. <laughs> That's what you do. And the consumer is the guy paying for everything. The fan is the reason there's all this money. Why has the NFL never made more money? Because they have more fans than every other league. Sorry for the tangent. Big time Seattle Seahawks fan here. We've lost a few impact guys with Al Woods and Ryan Neal. But with players like Jamal Adams coming back, is he, though? I, I mean, I know technically he's supposed to come back, but it feels like Jamal Adams sure gets hurt a lot since he's joined your team. And coming back, good-looking as of now, rookie, think they'll improve even more from last year. Also, a hugely underrated signing for the Hawks that not many are talking about is signing Bobby Wagner. That's going to be a big-time improvement on our defense, especially if what Pete said about going back to his old defensive schemes. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I can't hold Jamal Adams, you know, to me, he's basically a linebacker now. I also think Bobby Wagner, incredible guy, as people have talked shit before when I said he wasn't a Hall of Famer, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, first ballot, we can argue that, but he's going to the Hall of Fame. Though The Hall of Fame days are kind of over, but I hear you for leadership, but I, I thought your team last year was like pretty high level group. To me, I'm with you. Your first-round rookie, the dude they drafted fifth overall, Witherspoon, stud. Jigba, immediate plug-and-play starter with DK and Lockett. That's fantastic. You add the UCLA running back. I would say I'm going to pick you as a wild-card team. Now, to me, the question is, like, does Geno have back-to-back 30-touchdown seasons? Is Geno going to throw 60-plus touchdowns in two years? I, I Clearly, he's an impressive guy. I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm very impressed with Geno... I'm a fan of Geno Smith now. I didn't, I didn't follow his career that closely, but obviously last year, you know, following just they were one of the best stories in the NFL. He was being interviewed a lot. He's an impressive guy. He's an easy guy to root for. I see why Seattle likes him a lot. But is he was last year an outlier, or has he just turned his career and he's just going to be really good? Because if he does, then yeah, I don't. You, hell, you guys can win eleven games. That division. Besides Seattle and the Niners, I mean, the Rams could suck, and we know Arizona's bad. I mean, the Rams could be a five-win team. They could have serious problems. They're an Aaron Donald ankle sprain away from being screwed. Before Stafford started missing games last year, remember, he was throwing it all over the yard to the other team. Cooper Cup got hurt last year, and they were unwatchable. They're an injury two away from being completely screwed. So the only thing with Seattle, the 49ers, you know, Niners beat you twice. But who cares? I mean, even if, if the Niners win the division and you win 10 or 11 games, you might be the fifth seed. <laughs> I mean, well, probably not. I would imagine the Cowboys probably would. But maybe you could compete to be as good as the Cowboys. If Jamal Adams is healthy, 
and he can just function in kind of in that linebacker role. And the rookie adds to the secondary to go along with uh, the rookie corner last year who was good. Your pass rush just improves with some younger guys. Your offense should be pretty dynamic. I mean, the, your two young tackles are good. If 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 Injigba is healthy to go with DK, maybe Geno has another big year. Detroit winning the North, don't see it. I'm obviously a biased Vikings fan, but Goff is a career 64% passer. I'd argue last year was the outlier. But with our new defensive coordinator, Green Bay with love, and Chicago, well, Chicago, yep, okay, Detroit goes 9-8, 10-7, just like everyone else in the North. 10-7 might win the North. right? What, how many games did you guys win last year? 13? I think you went 13-5. Maybe, maybe it was 12 and... Would it be 13-5? That'd be 18 games. It'd be 13-4. Regardless, 13-12 wins, like, yeah, you could win 10 games. They can win 10 games. You could win nine games. As someone hit me with the DMs, Flores is your defensive coordinator. But part of being a good defense, is the talent there? That's my question. Who's, who are your difference makers? Who's your pass rushers? Kendricks is gone. Uh, I don't know. When you guys were really good on defense with Zimmer, who, let's face it, he's a curmudgeon, big curmudgeon. He's a pretty good defensive coordinator. And in your heyday, with you guys had a ton of talent. I don't see the talents the same. Now, you can argue the defensive coordinator, you guys won 13 games. So, you know, three-game regression, factoring in all the close games you won. That's part of football. I mean, let's be real. You guys won one of the greatest pulled that game out of who knows what crevice in your body game of all time last year against the Bills. I mean, that that is one of the... Did you beat the Colts too? Weren't you down to the Colts by like 40 points in the first quarter? Wasn't it 27 to nothing at the end of the first quarter? You guys won that game as well? Pretty sure? Yeah, you did. So, like... There's two wins of your 13 that even you'd have to acknowledge. Or some of the, yeah, you won that game 39-36. That's got to be one of the craziest come. I think it was. I think it's statistically right. The biggest one of the biggest comebacks in NFL history. What was the other game I was saying? The Bills game. Yeah, you won that 33 to 30. What was the score at halftime? That was 24 to 10. And it was it was 27 it was 27 to 10 at one point in time. Hell of a comeback. Colts' comeback was better, but one thing that's weird with you guys is I saw today a headline the Cousins was like, love to retire a Viking. <laughs> and then the, the article was like, yeah, I don't know if the Vikings see that that way. It's kind of in a weird spot because uh Cousins, it's not like Cousins willing to play for $20 million, you know? Yeah, I want to retire Viking if they'll keep paying me $38, $40 million a year. Like, do you really want to pay him $40 million a year? I don't know. I'm getting so many questions on this backwards hat. Anyway, I see you have your hat on backwards on the new podcast. He used to bag on Romo constantly for wearing his hat backwards. Again, one thing I would say about Tony Romo, great hair. So you wear your hat backwards, guy, shows laziness, just put a little gel. Me, like, I might have time. I have to shower fast. You guys are able to shower fast with hair, right? I, I have to shave my head in the shower. It takes time. 
and it's more difficult. So I put on a backwards hat. We do not play by the same rules as people with hair. I believe that to my core. I'm not even being joking around. I'm not being sarcastic. We are not judged the same. Think about this. When I go play golf or I go for a bike ride or whatever and the sun is out, I cannot wear uh, a mesh hat, a trucker hat, because I'll get burned half my head. I have to cover the complete head. You as hair people do not have to worry about that. You can wear no hat, wear backwards hat, wear, you know, holy hat, whatever, a visor. I am not able to wear visors. Think about that when the sun's out. My head will get burned. So this notion that backwards hat guy, that is about quarterbacks with hair. Has there been a bald quarterback since the Hasselback? We would not judge Matt Hasselback for wearing a backwards hat. Why? He does not have hair. He has to cover his head from the sun. Want him to get skin cancer? Of course not. Tony Romo, put a little fucking gel in your hair. What You know one thing I'd judge Tony Romo about? Why does he never shave? He's calling games with Jim Nance, and he's always got, he doesn't have, it's one thing to have a beard or shave. He's always just got this stubble going. Like he's like four days on a bender. You know, that's how I'd judge Tony Romo. But that, the hat stuff, I used to get in this argument with my dad a lot. Like, I'm sorry, dad. I look pretty good with the backwards hat. I enjoy it. And now that I don't have hair, I, I just think we play by different rules. <laughs> I'm fascinated that everyone is fascinated by that. They're fascinated by that, and I thought Colin hated golfers. He did. So I started a podcast. We started making money. Got high upside, you know. He's... Money flows, you know, we can, we can look past our, our previous takes. Adios, everybody. Have a good week. Uh, shout out to Holson James, my producers, doing big things behind the scenes, and you, the people, for consuming this podcast. See ya. volume I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts carol g juan gabriel christina aguilera what do these three have in common You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? 
facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.